Hey everyone, um, do you have life insurance? If not, it's probably something you should be thinking about, because um, it's a really important topic and something people often overlook. But you know, one of the things I found when I went in to get life insurance is I started looking at all the stuff that was covered and how much I was getting charged for life insurance, and it made me start to wonder whether the amount I was paying for my life insurance was subsidising the unhealthy lifestyles of the average person around me. And now there's this really cool insurance broker in America called Health IQ. But if you're one of our American listeners, I definitely reckon you should check out. So Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people, like listeners for that paleo show. That includes runners, cyclists, strength trainers, and more. With the majority of Health IQ customers saving between 4 and 33% on their life insurance, which is amazing. So if you're an American listener, see if you qualify and get your free quote today at healthiq.com forward slash paleo. Or mention the promo code PALIO when you talk to a Health IQ agent. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favorite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Brett Hill, and this week I'm joined by Stephanie Davies. Now, this April, which is in a couple of weeks' time, she's representing Australia at the Commonwealth Games in weightlifting in the under 75 kilo category after only competing in the sport for one year, which is incredible. She's also a naturopathy student and a health coach and believes in taking a holistic approach to training and life, with mindset nutrition being huge components of her success. So, welcome to the show, Steph. Ah, thanks so much for having me. Absolute pleasure. I promised I'd call you Steph, not Stephanie, so I, I got it right <laughs> the second time. Um, now, you, uh, this is amazing. Uh, you're a young girl, um, only been weightlifting for one year, um, and you're heading off to the Commonwealth Games. It must be just a mind-blowing journey for you. Uh, it has been a very intense journey, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did this all start? When did you get into weightlifting? Uh, so I, I was sort of dabbling in weightlifting. Um, I, I used to do CrossFit um, mm-hmm. for a few years, and that definitely has a weightlifting component. And um, I was aiming to try and get a little bit more competitive in CrossFit and uh, decided to engage a specialist weightlifting coach to help me out. Um, we sort of played around, you know, it was just an accessory um, on and off for about a year. Um, you know, I had injuries and then I started working overseas and never really made any any real traction with it. And uh, I got home after working overseas and decided I wanted to really fix my technique. And, um, yeah, I had my first local competition in December the year before last. And um, basically from there uh, – was sent an email basically saying that I was in a pool of people that could be considered for the Commonwealth Games uh, if I wanted to, yeah, if I wanted to work for it. So um, it was a massive shock because the competition I was in, I didn't have any competitors. I was the only one in my weight division. Mm -hmm. um, So I had no idea how how my lifts actually weighed up against anyone. And, um, yeah, from there it has just been a very intense, very, uh, very fun journey. And so, how did this come about for you? I mean, how much had you worked on your weightlifting? Obviously, doing CrossFit and those sort of things. And how much of it was just, I guess, maybe a bit of an innate talent with you? Like, were you just a natural at weightlifting or was it something you really had to work at? 
Um, definitely not a natural at weightlifting. I don't think anyone picks up a barbell and, and can do a snatch. <laughs> it's it's not a uh, it's not an easy movement, and it's it's very very uh, def- technical. Definitely not me. Um, <laughs> no, and you know the, the clean and jerk, which is the other lift that we do. It's it's much more strength based, um, and I definitely lent myself to that a lot more in in CrossFit. I I am naturally a strong athlete and um, any of the strength type components um, I used to do quite well at um, so the clean and jerk was definitely my my stronger um, but the snatch that's the main reason I went to go find my coach uh, Max Max del Santo um, and that's yeah I was I was very poor I was, wasn't able to hold any of the positions I needed to so um, yeah it, it's definitely not a natural thing but it's just so much fun once you get started yeah, I can totally relate to that. I dabble in CrossFit a little bit myself and uh, yeah, the snatch is awkward and uncomfortable and I'm not very good at it. So, uh, <laughs> lifting any sort of weight into that position is just not easy. No, it's just not a natural movement. Uh, it's not functional really to, yeah. to have a wide grip and <laughs> lift something from the ground to overhead in one movement. <laughs> yeah. So, um, tell us about your experience with CrossFit and then swapping to um, doing more weightlifting training. Um, what did you notice in terms of, uh, well, which one do you enjoy more? Uh, but also, what did you notice in terms of, I guess, your body and your health uh, when doing those different um, regimes? Yeah, um, it's really hard to say which I enjoy most. I think I enjoy weightlifting more, but I definitely loved the challenge of CrossFit. It was very much a, um, you know, beating against a mental barrier a lot of the time and just seeing how far you could push yourself. Whereas uh, I find weightlifting, it's so much about silencing that and being a lot more in control um, of your mindset um, rather than just, you know, doing things by sheer force. Um, so, I mean, I love them both. They're definitely different um, different challenges. Um, but obviously, because I'm doing so much weightlifting at the moment, I think the thought of doing a ton of burpees just <laughs> isn't all that appealing to me anymore. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so as far as my body, um, when I, you know, when I first started CrossFit, I'd been playing rugby, uh, you know, all through my childhood. And, and when I moved down to Adelaide, um, I started again as an adult. And, you know, I was always quite more of a muscular build than anything, um, you know, not particularly big, but um, I definitely let myself to that body shape. And when I started CrossFit, um, that, you know, got more defined and I lost a little bit more, a little bit of weight and was definitely getting a lot more toned. Uh, you know, I used to get a lot of comments from people when I first started about my body shape changing. And initially I really struggled with that because, um, you know, I think it was before this real beautiful movement of, you know, the last few years, there's been a big change in people's perceptions, I think, of health. And mm. it's moved a lot more to a fitter body shape being um, a lot more, you know, a lot more desirable or a lot yeah. more acceptable. And I'm I'm not particularly someone who's ever really cared about, you know, my image or anything like that. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm much more of a tomboy um, than a real girly girl or anything like that. And, um, but it was, I still found it really difficult when people would make comments, especially about my traps. Um, I've got big traps, <laughs> even bigger now. And it's, it's really funny because when I look back at photos from CrossFit, I was so small <laughs> compared to what I am now. And, um, and it, it used to be, you know, really upsetting to me until like I got to a point where I was just like, you know what? I love what my body can do. I love that I'm strong. I love that I'm functional. I'm, I love that I can do things that I never thought I'd do. And, and, you know, my body is a reflection of the work that I'm putting in. And when I change that mindset around my body, um, you know, I love my body now. And I, like I said, I'm, I'm, you know, 10 kilos heavier, mostly in muscle <laughs> than yeah. I was back in those days. So, um, you know, my body shape, yeah, my body shape changing from CrossFit to, to weightlifting, obviously, um, I have I have intentionally put on a lot more muscle mass uh, in weightlifting because I I do put mass on quite easily and quite well. 
Um, you know, that's not to say everyone who does weightlifting is really big or bulky. I mean, our, our smallest weight division in girls is 48 kilos, uh, and those girls are phenomenally strong for their body weight. It's impressive. But for me, I'm um, I'm happy to just keep getting you know as much as much strength as I can, and, and with strength comes size. In, in my case, yeah, and I think that's great. I think it's wonderful that we've got someone who's who can be a real role model for saying it, it's not about how you look, it's about how you feel and how healthy you are and what you're capable of. I, I think this idea of sort of judging it around capability um, is a really great way of thinking about our body and of looking at our body. So the comments you were getting from people, were they positive comments or were they negative comments? They were um, – a lot of them were just jokes and, you know, I was sensitive at the time, um, mm. you know, and I – I don't think anyone was being intentionally cruel or anything like that, but I was definitely sensitive and therefore I perceived them to be negative. Yeah. Um, I remember... So, so I, perhaps I was, a bit insensitive by the sounds of it. Possibly. I mean, I remember one one really sticks in my mind where um, I was a few weeks, uh, probably three months away from getting married and um, I... One of my friends, I was, you know, I was sensitive and I was telling her about how all these people were making these comments and she just said, look, maybe you should just give up all the weightlifting or all the CrossFit until you get married because you don't want to look like a beefcake in your wedding photos. Whoa. And at the time I was like, no. <laughs> I think that was the moment, like after I cried for two days, <laughs> yeah. that was the moment where I, I think I arced up and just went, you know what, no, I am stronger now than I ever have been. I am fitter now than I ever have been and I love what I can do. And, you know, I look at my wedding photos now and I love them. I was so – I was still tiny <laughs> but um, I look I look healthy. I look strong. So it was – yeah, that was the, probably the one that hurt the most but I think it was also the one that sparked the, the change in my own self-perception. Uh, I think that's great. And so, um, you know, you mentioned earlier, I think it might have been off air, you said that, you know, the last 12 months there'd been some real challenges for you. Um, was that sort of what they were around or has there been some other stuff challenging you as well in the last little bit? Oh, no, uh, the opposite. <laughs> so, uh, just over a year ago, um, you know, I had been, or probably the year year prior to that, I'd been doing a lot of self-development in in order to try and really nut out what it is that I want from my life and, and make sure that I'm um, – getting the most because I knew that I always had the capability to do something, uh, you know, special with my life. And I mean, everybody does have that capability. And, and I, I really wanted to find out what I could do. And I did some personal development, which really gave me some clarity around what my values were in my life. And training for me was top of the list because I, I wanted to make, uh, you know, at that time it was, I wanted to make regionals and then games for CrossFit. Um, but I always had this inkling that I wanted to, uh, you know, compete for Australia in something. Um, and during that time, sparked a lot of conversations with my husband and um, because he at the time was, uh, you know, a little bit passionless in his life, you know, doing the nine to five job that he didn't like and, you know, spending the weekends basically trying to escape from the week that he doesn't like. And we had a lot of conversations about doing things that make you really happy and, and you know, set your soul alight. And for me, I was, you know, I was coaching, I was training, I was at uni, which I love. And um, my life was just full of all these amazing things. And I really wanted him to find that. And through a lot of discussions, uh, we, he, he sort of came to the realization that the thing that he needed to do most in his life was to travel. He, he wanted to go see every country and, and be a nomad. And um, essentially it sparked this really hard conversation that we realized uh, after 10 years, we were together from 17 to, to 27. Uh, we just celebrated our 10 year anniversary, but we um, decided that we needed to 
go our separate ways in order to fulfill our our own dreams and our own destiny and it was really really tough um because we both you know we were we were very happily married and he's an amazing guy and um we just we decided that we both needed to to do our thing so uh it was a, a separation of love and um really hard took everybody by surprise and Obviously, after being with someone for so long, there's all the life implications. So we had a house together, which I was using as my my gym and like my gym for myself and my gym for my clients. Um, so we had to sell that, and you know, just just the change in in you know being in a, a long term relationship to to being single, and at the time trying to do all these competitions and trying to travel and trying to find finance for those things. When I was a full time student, it you know last year was was intense, <laughs> um, but you know, the whole time I knew that the reason that we'd done all these things and made all these really tough decisions was because I wanted this goal. I wanted to make the Commonwealth Games. I wanted to represent Australia. And uh, every time it was really tough, I just focused on that. And I just, you know, every time things started getting on top of me, I would narrow down another percent of how I can do something productive and proactive that would assist me with my goal. And that focus is what really what kept me going. I mean, alongside the most ridiculous amount of support from friends and family, but um, yeah, having that goal really, you know, motivated me to just keep going and, and it, yeah. And here I am on the other side. Much. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's incredible. I think it's, it's an incredibly brave decision by both of you. And, and from the outside looking in seemingly a very, maturely handled decision i mean it's incredible the way you were both able to i guess discuss it openly and to rationalize it and to work through it and as you said to do it with love so um you know was it always that way as you went through that process or were there some times when you weren't necessarily on the same page no we we're really lucky um uh, I think because we've been together for so long and we grew up together and basically all of our experiences were together. You know, the first five years of our relationship were pretty tumultuous. Um, as you, you know, we were growing up through our early 20s. and uh, But the last, you know, the last five years, our relationship was very, very much like that. We were really able to discuss things, um, you know, pretty well, we knew each other so well enough that we'd be able to keep emotion out of our discussions. And if one of us was getting, you know, angry or upset, we'd just sort of bide our time until we weren't and then come back to that discussion. And that really that really helped us uh, through the divorce and through the separation. Um, and, no, it, we really have been on the same page. Um, you know, unfortunately, with the house sale, as happens, you know, the market wasn't great. We lost a, we lost a bit of money. And, you know, money discussions are always the hardest when mm. I think in, in any relationship. And um, I'm really, really pleased that we've been able to keep really open dialogue. And, I mean, he's amazing. He's, he supported me financially more, you know, more than anyone last year, even though we were separated because wow. he, he wanted me to get to this goal and he wants me to um, achieve. And, you know, we don't talk that often anymore, but, um, you know, I, there's definitely still love there. It's just a love of friendship, and and you know I can't wait for him to start sending me all the photos from his travels. <laughs> yeah, that, that's incredible. That was, I guess, probably answers my next question, which was was whether you were still friends because uh, it's it's amazing to be able to do that and to stay friends, and as you said, to be able to uh, still be financially supported is is quite a, a incredible thing and and thing something that I guess many people would find um, challenging to understand who'd been through similar situations. So. Uh, it's it's wonderful that you two have done it. Has he headed off? Has he started traveling yet? No, August he leaves. So um, I'm really, really excited for him. I can't wait for him to get out of the country in the nicest way possible. 
Oh, it's, it's an amazing journey. So, um, obviously, the other part of your life is your health coaching and your naturopathy. So, uh, what made you decide to get into naturopathy and health coaching? Uh, I have always wanted to be a naturopath ever since I was a little girl. Um, and I, I think that's a really odd uh, career choice for, for like a seven-year-old to want to do. But um, I think it, it originally it came from, you know, I used to love reading and I used to love the idea of the old herbalists, um, you know, being able to heal people from the earth. And as I got older and went through a few health challenges myself um, and found conventional medicine, not necessarily the um, – the thing that was working for me, um, it just more and more uh, reified that this is the path that I wanted to take. And especially now that I'm going through, uh, you know, this whole athlete phase of my life, you know, my nutrition and my health is so important and so crucial to my success. Um, it's just fantastic to be able to be studying something that aligns so well with my values and it just fits in with my whole life. Um, I just love, love the fact that you've, you know, essentially got the ability to, to heal yourself uh you know, anytime you, anytime you want. Did you know that physically active people have a 56% lower risk of heart disease, 20% lower risk of cancer, and 58% lower risk of diabetes? Well, you probably did, because when well, you're one of my smart listeners on that paleo show, but that's compared to people who are inactive. Don't you think it makes sense then that if you're physically active, you should pay less for your life insurance? Health IQ thinks so. Like saving money on your car insurance for being a good driver, Health IQ saves you money in your life insurance for living a health-conscious life. So if you're in the United States, see if you qualify and get your free quote today at healthiq.com forward slash paleo. Or mention the promo code paleo when you talk to a Health IQ agent. So have you been, uh, you know, going through, I guess, with like the AIS in terms of your weightlifting? Um, how are your coaches, how are your sponsors, all of those sort of things in regards to, I guess, maybe you take a slightly different approach sometimes in terms of mindset, nutrition, training, those sort of things because of your holistic mindset. H- have there been any issues there? Um, I wouldn't say issues. Um, I definitely do um, I definitely do things differently and I'm, I'm really fortunate um, – my my technical coach, who's, who's a local Adelaide guy, Max Del Santo, he knows me really well and he just allows me a lot of freedom to he, – he just respects the, the fact that I know a lot of what I'm going through and he's been amazing. Um, same as my, my actual main strength and conditioning coach. I did a lot of research and found these guys from America uh, at Central Athlete and their programming what, – what allured me to their programming was the fact that it is very holistic. You know, it's, it manages the lifestyle. It manages, um, you know, my nutrition as well to a degree and, and a lot of the stress component of trying to be an elite athlete. Um, so I purposefully engaged certain coaches uh, for that reason so that they could allow me the freedom to, to be able to take responsibility and say, look, guys, I have slept like, like crap for the last couple of days. I don't think I'm going to be able to handle that volume or if I do that volume, I'm not going to be able to do it at the capacity that I'm satisfied with and therefore they allow me to make adjustments to my program like that. Um, When I I recently had a camp at the AIS and um, we had all the Australian coaches around, we were doing our own programming. It was just a, you know, team meeting essentially for a week and um, my programming, a lot of it, you know, for weightlifters, a lot of it, a lot of the traditional sense is, you know, you do a lot of squats, you do a lot of the snatch, you do a lot of the clean and jerks, and you just sort of do multiples of those things. Mm. For my programming, I do a lot of banded work. I do a lot of body weight stuff. I do a lot of isometric holding where, you know, it doesn't actually look like I'm doing anything. And <laughs> I got to, I think, the Wednesday of our camp, and I'd been training twice a day 
uh, every day so for three days. So I've done six sessions in three days. And I had uh, one of the coaches say, so when are you going to start actually training? <laughs> just just because I wasn't doing what everybody else was doing. And I definitely got a few raised eyebrows. And, you know, when it came to um, the mess hall where, you know, you go and they have all the food prepared for you, you know, I would have to go and get uh, my meals made specially for me. I was that guy <laughs> yeah. who had to go and talk to the chefs every time because, you know, while the food, uh, you know, at camp fits the macronutrient profiling that an athlete needs for me, uh, it's it's none of the food that I I'm satisfied with fitting my micronutrients and my more holistic view of things. So I definitely look a lot deeper um, than uh, you know than I think some some athletes who are able to you know perform on on that sort of level. But for me, my body, my digestive system, it doesn't handle you know the Australian recommended diet very well. So I have to make a lot of adjustments. So so tell us about how you do those adjustments. I mean, what's your average AIS weightlifter eating? And how do you adjust that to make it work for you? Ah, look, to, to be honest, there is no average weightlifter diet. <laughs> um, it's one of the sports where because we don't do we don't do a lot of aerobic work. It's mainly just you know we do lifting. Um, there isn't a whole you know there hasn't got a whole lot of need for really specific caloric requirements. It's really hard to measure what we need calorie wise day in day out because we all train really differently. Uh, as well as that, you know, we're all different weight divisions. So depending where you are in your competition cycle, some people need to drop weight, some people need to gain weight. So there is no such thing as a typical diet. Uh, in saying that, you know, at camp, most of the guys just eat what like a, you know, a regular Australian would eat, um, you know, meat and veg, you know, a fair bit of carbs um a lot of sort of processed type stuff um a lot of the sugary um sports drinks um a lot of the you know protein fueling would be like chocolate milk type stuff um that sort of thing is what the, what those guys would go through and then for me my diet is pretty standard meat and veg um you know i'm fairly restricted with a, a lot of um hypersensitivities that I've got and um, which suits me fine because I <laughs> I much prefer I function a lot better when all I'm eating is is meat and veg and essentially I try to make sure that any of my heavier carbs I do eat rice and I do eat oats they're the only two sort of carb like um, you know high GI type carbs that I will eat I make sure I only eat those around training other than that it's either meat or fish and vegetables. And what sort of quantities are we talking, Steph? I hope this isn't an insensitive question, but I'm just like, for, for to this sort of athletic performance, I'm guessing that you're going to need to consume more than your average, you know, person who sits at a desk job. So, you know, do you quantify how many calories or how much food you eat in a given day, or is it just fairly lax in that respect? You just eat when you're hungry. Yeah, I I have gone through cycles where I have quantified, um, especially in June last year, which was my first um, actual competition, uh, like national competition. I had to drop weight in order to make a weight cut. And um, for me, I think I was sitting at about 68 kilos at the time and I had to drop down to 63, which, you know, five kilos isn't a whole lot of weight. I was pretty lean. I was, well, I was very lean. And um I I was trying to do it my way, which was, you know, slow and steady over a few months, try drop it, you know, 200, 250 grams, you know, every week. Uh, doesn't sound like a lot, but my body did not respond at all. Um, and towards the end there, I was on a really heavy calorie restriction, uh, a really uh, unsafely heavy calorie restriction, uh, which was my choice. I uh, My coach had tried to talk me out of going down to that category when we realized the weight wasn't moving, but I... I was sort of doing it as a self-experiment because I think, you know, as a future naturopath, I know that there's going to be a lot of people who come in who do these sorts of 
you know, radical type diets. And I sort of wanted to experience it for myself just to see how I responded. But um, at that time, you know, I was weighing and measuring everything. You know, I was counting out my spinach leaves <laughs> to put in my smoothies. Wow. And it was, it was fanatical. It was horrible. I was, I was miserable. Um, I was also starving because <laughs> I was trying to train, you yeah. know, double days. And, uh, you know, it, that itself has had a huge long range uh, ramifications on my health, which I'm only, I'm still only getting on top of now. And it's nearly eight months later. Um, but it was a good experiment not to <laughs> want to do it again. <laughs> These days, I just eat, um, I just make sure that I'm eating protein regularly throughout the day and spaced meals. But I just, I base everything else on uh, how hungry I am. And I let my body decide what type of foods I feel like. And I know that if I start craving sugars, um, which I don't eat usually, if I start craving sugar, it generally means I haven't had enough carb during the day. Um, if I, you know, wake up starving hungry, I didn't have enough carb at nighttime. Um, you know, the protein stays really uh, regular through the day. I try to have, um, you know, 20 to 30 grams roughly of protein. So that looks like 150 grams, 200 grams, maybe 250 of, of whatever actual meat. I'm eating. Um, but yeah, I try to get everything from food. I try not to supplement as much as I can. Um, but yeah, it's just, I've just gotten to a stage now where I think I trust my body and I trust myself to be able to go, do I really want that food or is that my body telling me that I need that food for a reason? Yeah. All right. So that's great. I think that sounds like a more balanced approach. I mean, do you now just do that and then just kind of fall into whatever weight category you fall in or do you still need to be mindful of um, trying to squeeze into any particular weight category? Um, no, I'm really fortunate this time around. I um, I competed at trials as a 75 and I, I generally sit at about 72 to 73 kilos. Um, so I've actually got wriggle room to, to keep growing, which – it's fantastic because in a general, like in a general weightlifting competition, you you do your weigh in only an hour before you actually compete. So most people, if you sit on the high end of that, which is actually where you want to sit, you want to obviously fill out that category as much as possible with muscle. Um, but what it generally means is the last few days before your competition, your food is really different. And and for what that usually looks like, it's really low fiber diet and that is complete opposite of how I eat. So people, not me, but people would usually eat things like white bread with jam and, um, you know, with no crusts and things like that. That would be their diet for the last couple of days purely to just to get the calories in but with no fiber so that there's nothing retained in the bowel. Um, I'm really lucky that I'm sitting, you know, a little bit under that category because that allows me to just eat my normal food, have my normal hydration. And, um, you know, I still check it every single day that I'm in the gym because you don't, you know, things like your hormones fluctuate your weight on a daily basis, how much sleep you have fluctuates your weight. And if you don't make your weight on the day, you don't compete. So I do have to definitely be very mindful, but I, um, I'm lucky I've got wriggle room. Yeah, well, it it is a lot to think about. So, what's the most challenging thing then about being a pro professional athlete? Um, you know, I mean, obviously, there's so many things that come into it in terms of your diet and your mindset. Obviously, doing the work and the exercise, uh, but you also need to travel. You also need to be, uh, you know, manage your finances. You know, as you said, uh, you're totally self-financed. So. Um, What's the biggest challenge you have in terms of maintaining a healthy lifestyle and, and maintaining your life balance? I think uh, for me personally, it's generally generally the finance side um, just because it, uh, it is such a stress. It's one of those things, you know, I'm, I'm not one of those people who really values 
money as it as it is you know if when I'm doing coaching a lot of the time I'm, I'm swapping services and things like that I like that life a lot more than you know I'm not someone who likes to count the dollars and um, I find you know for me when I, I love training so much I love working on my mindset I love doing all the nutrition most of the time I love that side of things and that, that's what really you know, that's what my whole life is about. So that side of things I actually find quite easy. That's not to say I don't have days where I don't want to train and I don't sit out the, you know, in my car in the front of the gym in tears saying, come on, Steph, mm. let's do it. <laughs> um, you know, I definitely have those days. But, you know, it, for me it's it's doing things that, you know, you know, getting, having to get a job or having to work when I know that that time I could be using for training or for sleeping or for relaxing because doing nothing is so important to, to you know, mm. to being – successful in this way and that's something that took me a long time to realize that it it is totally okay for me to do nothing and actually I need to just do nothing I just need to go get my feet in the ground or my feet in the sand and just sit and that that is so crucial and it's it's the thing that usually goes first when you know when you are working and trying to fund a lot of the competitions overseas um as well so it's it's not a um not an easy sport to be in unfortunately uh, so I'm sure there are people listening to this thinking that they would like to support you and like to help out. So I guess for I guess for two different people, for, for the everyday person who's just listening to this thinking, hey, this young girl going to compete for Australia is doing amazing stuff. I'd love to support her. Is there any way that just those everyday people can support you? Um, and then the second part to that is obviously people listening to this who uh, are thinking, well, maybe this could be someone I could sponsor um, and help in a larger way uh, through their company to support you. Um, uh, how do people go about that if they wanted to support you and help you on your journey to the Commonwealth Games and then, as you said, beyond that with other competitions you've got coming up throughout the year? Um, either way, I mean, it's amazing when people do support it. It, it really is – it's actually really humbling and, and mind-blowing that I'm in a position where people want to help. I find that, you know, this is a journey that I've chosen, so I find it really mind-blowing that people, um, you know, connect with it in such a way. Um, if, if people do want to help, I think just contacting me via social media is um, probably the easiest. Um, on Instagram and, and Facebook, I'm – at steph.davies.athlete.coach um, and then obviously we'll, we can go from there and, and discuss the ins and outs. Yeah, fantastic. Well, as I said, I'm sure there are people who want to support you. I'm listening and thinking I want to support you so I'll chat to you afterwards. Maybe uh, I think Greenhill Family Chiropractic might send you a little bit of money just to help you out a little bit because ah, I just think you know every little bit obviously counts when you go into something like this and if it helps you be a little bit less stressed, um, and helps you perform better and you know represent our country, I think that's a wonderful thing. So um, I would certainly encourage people who are interested in doing that to get in touch with you. Um, you did mention that obviously you know your primary focus at the moment is as an athlete. Um, you do uh, do coaching as well, but obviously with the Commonwealth Games coming up, then um, you don't have as much time to focus on that, especially whilst you're doing a naturopathy degree at the same time, which is quite yeah. an effort. So I don't know how you're fitting all this in with your training and your naturopathy and coaching and, and everything all at once. That must be a bit of a uh, – and obviously, as you said, trying to work a job then to pay the bills as well. Uh, that sounds yeah. like a bit of a squeeze. Yeah, definitely. Is. I'm actually, I'm actually missing it. I'm sitting outside my lecture room at the moment. <laughs> I just, I just nipped out for a quick minute. So um, yeah, oh. I mean, balance is, balance is key. But I'm, I'm feeling okay with where I'm at right now. <laughs> oh, good. All right. I, I won't tell you lecture. That's okay. I'll, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure Stacy will cover for you. It'll be all alright. Yeah, um, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, thank you so much for coming on today, Stephanie. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Oh, thank you. Um, for everyone who wants to find out more or, as I said, who wants to support Steph on her journey, um, go to Steph 
daviesathletecoach.com uh, or on Facebook and Instagram, it's steph.athlete. Uh, sorry, steph.davies.athlete.coach. So thank you, Steph. Thanks so much, Brad. No worries. For everyone else, until next week, join the conversation on Facebook. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Join your newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com and let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show. Health IQ are not just an insurer. They're a life insurance agency. They take the customer through the journey from when they submit their interest to starting an application, going through the underwriting and to enforcing the policy as well. The policy is underwritten by one of their top partners who is an insurer. So if you're in the US, see if you qualify and get your free quote today at healthiq.com forward slash paleo or mention the code paleo when you talk to your Health IQ agent. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.